0: Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real-life, real-time issues and will often feature special guest guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney, Todd Watley, and licensed nursing home administrator, Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That is correct.
1: We do our best to have the answers on aging. Hi there, welcome back. And my name is Todd Watley.
2: Hey, welcome to Answers on Aging. My name is Sarah Scott. Hey, Sarah. Howdy, doody.
1: So we are continuing to talk about one thing that you know is what I do every day, and um, one thing that I see so many people miss out on is legal documents. Yes, and people just think that they're. I'll do it later or it's really not that important. Oh my goodness.
2: It is incredibly important and if you were able to listen to episode 9 part 1, you learned all about what powers of attorney are and why they're so important. And so financial powers of attorney. Financial powers mm-hmm. of attorney. Yes, yep. thank you. And <clears throat> excuse me. Today, in Part 2 of the three-part series for Episode 9, the question that we're going to give you the answer to is, what are the late-in-life documents that are absolutely necessary? And so today, Part 2, will give you all you need to know about healthcare care documents.
1: Yep. So, as a nursing home Administrator, what's one of the first questions you ask people when when they're being admitted to help make your job easier, the the staff's job easier?
2: Who has power of attorney, or yeah. does someone have power of attorney?
1: Yeah, healthcare power of attorney is a document that um, you pick someone to make healthcare decisions for you, and so. All my you know, I would say in seventy five percent of all cases in couples that have been married forever, you know, they pick their spouse first and uh-huh. then if the spouse can't do it, the kids. That makes sense, but it still has to be in writing.
2: Yes. For yes. it
1: to be absolutely in place, and particularly if you have this rogue child who mm-hmm. Shows up and we'll talk about that some and, and some of the, the situations that come up. But let me tell you, if you are in a late in life marriage and you have a spouse and kids that are not from that spouse you have it is absolutely necessary that you do these documents because the healthcare staff is going to be confused. Oh, yeah, who should we talk to mm-hmm. his kids or his wife? <laughs> okay, right,
2: right, and that can get really messy mm-hmm. really quickly. And so, that is one of the top reasons that these documents are so incredibly important, and the reason that this matters. Is because your wishes, your end-of-life wishes, can be carried out at the end of your life. And if you don't have these documents in place, Mm -hmm. then it's really going to be legally left up to the physician treating you. Mm -hmm. And doctors are not trained to say, okay, it's time to end this person's life because I don't see them getting any better. In Mm -hmm. fact, they have to... Perform all kinds of diagnostic tests and and prescribe different treatments to try to keep you alive.
1: That's their job, is to keep you alive and keep you from dying.
2: Unless you have something in place called healthcare power of
1: attorney. Right. And the healthcare power of attorney is not a end of life document.
2: Right. No, it, I guess I misspoke on no,
1: that. No, 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 you're fine because it it definitely does come into play, but the the healthcare power of attorney, that document and I do recommend that you do a different document and many times people will combine their healthcare power of attorney with their advance directive or mm-hmm living will, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. I prefer that they be separate because the healthcare power of attorney should be immediately effective so that if something happens to you a um, immediately that person that you choose can step in, talk to the doctors and say, Hey, I know his wishes. They chose me to make these decisions. Here's what we're doing.
2: Exactly. And so in today's episode, you're going to learn the importance and the differences of health care powers of attorney, a living will or advanced directive, and a HIPAA release. Uh. All three really important late-in-life documents. But I'm telling you, if you're listening and you are the adult child caregiver, it's also important for you to have these too because no one is promised tomorrow. You're going to hear me say things like that throughout the podcast series because we're not. I mean, my my brother was killed in a car accident at 28 years old. Do you think he had any legal Mm -hmm. documents in order? Of course not. Nobody expects those things, but they are very real. They happen. And so I think today's episode could really speak to some younger folks as Mm -hmm. well. Sure. And so (laughs) just because you're not necessarily aging,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um, which technically you are if you're alive, you're (laughs) aging. aging. Um, I would encourage everyone... Listening to this podcast to at least have a plan to get these documents in place.
1: Yep, my kids when they turned eighteen, they sat down at my office desk and they did powers of attorney, healthcare, whole nine yards. So happy
2: birthday! Yeah, happy
1: birthday! Here, <laughs> sign some documents. So anyway, healthcare power of attorney is a um, immediately effective document, but it by by how it functions only comes into play once you can not make. Good decisions are your unconscious or whatever. So, it they will always talk to you first. But right. if, if you are not making good de- decisions, or if you can't make those decisions mm-hmm. because you're unconscious, then this tells them who to go talk to. And it's important, particularly, that you pick someone who has the same religious ideas uh-huh. as you, the same you know, end of life decisions, because that person is going to be the one that, and we'll talk about the living will in just a second, but the living will should point back to the healthcare power of attorney as being the one that if there is a controversy between the physicians or whatever, it is the healthcare power of attorney that actually talks to both physicians and then says, yeah, we're, we're going to go this way. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So healthcare power of attorney is important because it, it lets the world know who should be making your your decisions. And it's crucially important in late in life marriages. Do you want your spouse or do you want your kids or do they, in the rare circumstance, do they get along really well and they all think the same and you can name all of them. And there's issues with that. But Mm -hmm. if, your spouse and your kids don't see eye to eye. It is crucial that you pick one of them and let them do it.
2: Yes, yes. Because yes. the last
1: thing you want is a huge fight in the hallway at the hospital over your <laughs> sick body. So, yeah. so then we get to the Living Well Advanced Directive. Mm-hmm. And that truly is your end-of-life document that says once you are irrevo- irreversible yes. and terminal, okay? Uh-huh. Irreversible means you have a condition that is not going to get better. Yes. Okay. That can be something like Alzheimer's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alzheimer's is irreversible, but you can live with it for 15 years oh my goodness. or more. Yes. And so just because you have a irreversible condition does not mean that your living will is now in place and they they are not going to treat you. The other re- requirement is you have to be terminal meaning that typically the medical definition of terminal is you're going to die within six months. Did you want to say this?
2: Yeah, well, I just think it's important for the listeners to understand that when, when you're in a situation that you're executing these documents, it's so important for you to understand that if you were to... Execute an advanced directive that says, I don't want any treatment once I've met the irreversible and terminal terminal conditions. If you have a heart attack and you're laying on the floor and you have an advanced directive, they will still be able to start CPR. You will still be able to get treatment. You can still have surgeries. You can still take proactive and aggressive treatment measures because you're not terminal it's very and treatable. it's not irreversible. Right. A lot of those things are treatable and irreversible or treatable and reversible. Oh, yes. So just don't think that just because you have an advanced directive means anything besides what happens once you are terminal and irreversible.
1: Yes, they will still treat you. And I've, I've had people say, Oh no, I'm not signing this because yeah. I want treatment. Well, of course you do. And this document does not stop that. It mm-hmm. says, Once you are at the point that you're irreversible in the terminal, that's when this document comes into play. And physicians don't come to that diagnosis easily. Sure. Their job is to help get you better, and they will do things that they can to help get you better. And it's only when they have done the test and done everything that they can that they say, hey, family. We think he is irreversible and terminal and what do you want us to do? And this document tells them what to do. Now, there may be situations and I was in this situation with my own mom who um, got something. We did not know what it was, but she got bad really quick and we treated it. We did everything we could. They, they thought it was pneumonia They treated it with every antibiotic known to man and she was not getting better. So we're like, it's untreatable. She's irreversible. She's terminal. And so she went to hospice and the hospice doctor ran some tests, looked at her blood work and he knew her personally. And he said, this just doesn't make sense. He said, I've done some research on this and her, you know, this one condition tells me that. Something else may be going on that is not terminal, so we terminated hospice care, put her back in the hospital, ran some tests, did some things, found out it was not the thing that could have gotten fixed. It was lung cancer. And so once we we determined it truly was lung cancer and not pneumonia, we sent her back to hospice. Well, the the hospital doctor was like, wait, 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 no, we need to run a bobsy. We need to do this and this and this. And I was like, nope, I'm the healthcare power of attorney. I know what her wishes are. Her living will says once she's irreversible and terminal, she does not want to be treated. Mm -hmm. We are activating this document we are going to hospice where she will be kept comfortable and pass away
2: and todd how how much peace of mind did it bring to you just to know that you knew what her wishes are you knew that all the other options and and treatment possibilities had been ruled out and that you were making the best decision for your mom
1: I mean, priceless. I mean, just amazingly priceless to know that I talked to her, and I'm an only child, by the way. And so I was the only one to do it. And so, and she was divorced. So I was the one to do it, but we had that discussion. We talked about it. And so Mm -hmm. that's the other thing when you do these documents, please. The people that you name and those around you who need to know this, please talk to them and say, look, I have done this document. Mm-hmm. Here are my wishes. Here is what I want you to do in that situation. That is a gift that is priceless because oh, yeah. as they're standing over you trying to make this decision, if they can hear those words in their head to say, honey, don't, don't put me through this. I've lived a good life. I'm good. Please let me go. I do not want to be kept alive in this condition. Please let me go. I mean, it's 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 priceless.
2: Yeah, and it's definitely not going to take away the pain and the grief process, but it will definitely make it easier to live with having to tell the doctor, now it's time for hospice, or now we need to unplug the life support machine, or whatever your case may be. And so, you know, not only is it helping let the physicians know what your wishes are this is going to bring a huge relief to your family or your appointed health care power of attorney so please don't take this lightly and make sure that you've got those documents in order um, what is so with, there are 3 yeah health care documents and this
1: third one people are pretty good about doing healthcare care power of attorney and living yeah. wills even f- Um, attorneys are pretty good about bringing this up. One thing that I have found that is missing in a whole lot of estate plans is a HIPAA release. Mm -hmm. HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And just brief history to know of its importance, back, and I can talk about my days in healthcare, back in the late 80s, early 90s, we had, you know, paper chart. And yeah. so if you wanted to steal someone's healthcare information to do whatever with it, it was difficult. You had to go pull the file, pull that chart from the shelf, mm-hmm. put it on a copier, make copies of it, and then take it and, and do something with it. Well, this is twenty twenty-one now and um, healthcare information is all electronic and it can be quickly and very easily accessed and um, people will discriminate against you based on your health diagnosis. And so Congress passed a law, which I think was needed, but kind of like Congress does best, they overreact sometimes. This law says your health care information is private to you and you alone, you need to sign a release to have someone access this information. And mm-hmm. Typically, every time you go to the hospital, you go to the dentist, you go to your outpatient physician, they will ask you to sign a HIPAA release mm-hmm. authorizing them to talk to certain people. And I highly recommend that you do that. However, I also recommend that you sign a independent, you know, not associated with a hospital, with a physician, HIPAA release that says, I want these people to have... Access to my healthcare information. Okay, number one, that's just important because um, people, your your healthcare power of attorney, your advance directive is dependent on someone getting information so that they can make those decisions. The thing that I see missing is if you have a trust, if you have a revocable living trust look at that document to see how does the successor trustee come into play? Mm -hmm. If you're incapacitated, or, you know, you're not able to make good decisions anymore, how does your successor trustee come into play, and you can read your trust, and it's typically titled trustee, once you become incapacitated, there's some indication this is that part of the trust. In almost every trust that you read, it says you become, the trustee comes into power once they can prove that you're incapacitated. Ugh. Yeah, which has a whole bunch of things on it. And I do recommend if if yours says that, go back to the power of attorney. I talk about the power, the ability to... Um, implement a springing power of attorney, which is horrible. Well, many trusts do exactly the same thing that that says, once you can prove I'm incapacitated, that's when the successor trustee comes into play, you prove that you're incapacitated with a physician's letter. Many times, as this dementia Progresses, you become very paranoid mm-hmm. and you are making bad decisions. And you are paranoid that everyone's trying to steal your money and throw you into a nursing home.
2: And you're reluctant to do anything that they want you to do, <laughs> like going to the doctor.
1: Exactly. And so <laughs> now you're making bad decisions. You're being scammed, influenced by someone, and they're trying to become the trustee to protect your estate. They have to get you to the doctor and you refuse to go to the doctor. And even if you did go to the doctor and she said don't give this information to anybody the doctor is not going to give it to anyone unless you have a HIPAA release
2: yes (laughs) and that was a long way to get there well but it's yeah
1: it's important it's
2: important and it can get so sticky so it's good if you go to the doctor and Todd even mentioned in um, a couple of episodes ago to ask your um, ki- your parents if you're the aging parents ha- you need to add your kids or at least that one person that you trust on your HIPAA release for the doctor's office however if you go to the different to a different doctor or if you're in the hospital that doctor's office, usually is not talking to the hospital or the other providers. And so having this general legal form called a HIPAA release that you can take anywhere, they have to abide by that. And they have to be able to share the information with the appointed individuals on that document. So just know that doing it at the doctor's office is one thing but it doesn't mean that that carries over into the hospital or to any other providers
1: you need a independent third-party general HIPAA release to allow your family and the other situation not even with the trust is if you're on vacation mm-hmm. in Colorado and you have a car wreck and you're not dead, but you're unconscious and you go they take you to that hospital, you've not signed a HIPAA release for that hospital right. to release information to your kids. Your kids show up or they call, tell me how dad's doing, tell me how mom's doing they're like, We can't. No can do. No can do because of the HIPAA rules. And that's where mm-hmm. this independent third, you know Third-party HIPAA release generally says, please give information to these kids. It's crucial, crucial, crucial. All yes. Right.
2: And one thing that is really important about these healthcare documents is that you are wanting your wishes to be carried out. You've got your appointed person or persons to make sure that the providers treating you know what your wishes are, and that you get the best quality of life versus quantity of life and nobody's saying you want to die soon, but you definitely want to focus on quality versus quantity. Now, Todd, how often I know in the previous show we talked about, you know, reviewing these documents every so often, are these healthcare documents Ones that also need to be reviewed on a regular basis.
1: I have found that hospitals are less picky than banks about this power of attorney, okay. and so it is it's it is good to update your documents every ten years at the most five years ideally, mm-hmm. um, particularly a financial power of attorney. And I would recommend healthcare power of attorney, but it's not as crucial as with a financial power of attorney.
2: Okay. And then, where should I keep these documents? Okay.
1: Since um, these are documents that may be needed immediately, mm-hmm. I recommend that you give a copy of these documents to the people that you have chosen. Okay. okay. Be it Your spouse or kids or both or nieces or nephews or friends, whoever mm-hmm. you have named, they should have a copy of it somewhere. Give one to your doctor, give one to the hospital that you typically think you will go to mm-hmm. and make sure they have it. But it is it's it is most crucial, I think, that the people you have named have copies of these. Awesome.
2: And then, of course, when you give them the copy, that means you've already informed them that this is going to be your role mm-hmm. at the end of my life. So, take care of these keep them in a safe place and um, i know in our state we have a really really active attorney general's office Mm -hmm. who provides neat little handouts at different functions and one of them that i think is so cool is called the file of life Mm -hmm. and it gives your basic health history and gives you a space to list any legal documents that have been executed on this form and it's kept either on your refrigerator or kept on your um, like door frame or somewhere around the entrance of your home so that if emergency responders have to come to your house for any type of accident or emergency they can refer they are trained to look for these files yep. and get that information and at least they know that they've been executed and that they are in a designated place
1: yeah Let's talk real quick, and we just brought that up, and we didn't talk about this on our pre-show, but you Sorry. know the answer. No, no, it's good. Are you going to you know spring one on me? Yeah, I'm going to spring one on okay. you. Okay. We've got a few minutes. Okay. Talk about the, the difference between a advanced directive and Living Will and a DNR.
2: Okay, so a an advanced directive gives your providers – instructions basically on what type of care that you want to receive or not receive mm-hmm. um a living will tells people like where you want your stuff to go right
1: well yeah uh, a living will and a advanced directive are basically the same document a last will and testament is that,
2: I always yeah. get that confused I know
1: you, you are not the only me. no 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 <laughs> The question was on DNRs. Okay. Oh,
2: DNR is do not resuscitate. Okay. So and people
1: think a Living Will Advanced Directive is a DNR no. or, or they should do a DNR while they're still up and walking. And,
2: right. Okay. So a DNR is when you have had a heart attack or your heart has stopped beating that instructs the medical professionals not to resuscitate. Do not resuscitate. Yep. Period.
1: I recommend you only sign a DNR when you are at your final destination. If you're in a nursing home, God forbid, you don't want to be kept alive longer than you need to be to live in a nursing home. If you're in hospice, obviously you have a DNR, but mm-hmm. people think they should just have a DNR. They've asked me to do it in a DNR. Typically, I think in most states is a form that your physician yes, does for it you. It is a
2: physician order.
1: Yeah. And so you don't need a DNR until you are at your final place. Like if you're at home and you're under hospice care, you will have a DNR to say, God forbid, if I pass away, since I am on hospice, I am terminal. Don't keep me alive. Or All if right. you're in a nursing home. So
2: when, I do want to make one sure. more point. Sorry. Sorry. A lot of times, and I've even had, when working in the nursing home, staff get this wrong. Yeah, Um, Telling residents and their families, well, before you enter into our facility, you have to sign a DNR. You do not have to sign a DNR to get admission into a nursing home. Please understand that.
1: Most people do. Most people do. But you don't have to. Right. Good. Good point. Okay. Okay. So those are the healthcare documents that I recommend: Healthcare Mm -hmm. Power of Attorney, Advanced Directive, or also known as a Living Mm -hmm. Will and a HIPAA release. All right. If you have questions on that, please feel free to um, go to our website, Answers on Aging There is a um, contact us section, it will send us an email. Please ask questions. If you need a referral to an attorney, I'll be more than happy. But the best place to go is... The National Elder Law Foundation, nel org) is where you can find certified elder law attorneys. If you don't find one near you, you can go to the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, and that dot org. All of those links are in our show notes. You can just mm-hmm. click on it, and if you're here locally, Todd Whatley, PA, is my local law firm and I would mm-hmm. love to work with you.
2: Yes. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Next episode, part three of episode nine is going to focus on estate planning documents. Yep. So thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs> flip
0: side. Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit the subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about today's episode, go to AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the Show Notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there. At your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, tune in to the Facebook page Senior Services NWA to catch their weekly live radio program every Wednesday morning. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions, so please let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.
1: For long term care.
0: Oh, yeah, that's be it, important. Be at
1: home or assisted living or nursing home. And we will specifically cover private pay, which is easy. Right. You just write a check. Long term care insurance. Mm-hmm. We'll briefly delve into that. Again, there will be a whole show on that. We will talk about Medicaid. Mm-hmm. We will dispel some of those very common misconceptions and also the VA benefit yes. that so many people qualify for, but they don't know that they right. do. So, Join us for episode number seven, Mm -hmm. and we will discuss how to pay for long-term care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging Podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit the subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about today's episode, go to AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the Show Notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, tune in to the Facebook page Senior Services NWA to catch their weekly live radio program every Wednesday morning. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.
1: to do elder law and to advise clients but the information in this podcast is gold i'm telling you you can truly make a a family's day when it's like hey you're the child caregiver we can give this house to you with no penalty they're like but wait I thought there was a penalty when you transfer things. Yeah, there is normally, but in this situation, you fall within a very limited exemption under the rules, we can give you this house, or if there is a disabled child we can give you this house, and it's just beautiful. The people are happy, they love you, and you can charge appropriately for that, okay? So hopefully this helped, and if you have questions, please, as always, you can email me at todd at
0: you've been listening to elder law in a box helping you help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show But it doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about letting Todd be your elder law coach, find him at www.elderlawinabox.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Elder Law in a Box. Thanks for listening. Until next time.